Good morning, Lord. Thank you so much for this day. We just thank you for the blessings that you've uh, just showered on us, even those we forget to be thankful for, even the little things like peace that you give us and a safe place to worship you with no worries about just being able to do that boldly. And Lord, we uh, just ask that you receive so much praise from our time together today. And Lord, we thank you for the joy, your joy, that fills us even in the time of heaviness and shadows and darkness. And may you truly help us sing and dance for you today. In Jesus' name, all God's little children said, amen. May you turn and greet your friends and neighbors. Make them welcome today. Okay, I got it. Let me get the. That's okay. Let's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Greetings. Greetings. Thank you. Right in the middle. Then it's set for him, too. Good. I love to see. Oh, good morning, Deacon. Good morning. Yes, I, I feel like I'm missing out loving on all of you, but I have to behave and stay up here. Okay, well, good morning. My name is Kimberly Robbins, and I am a part of the children's ministry. So yes, hopefully that explains some of my joy. All right, uh, welcome church. I'm so glad that you're here. And to those of you, if it's your first time here, we wanna love on you and welcome you. So welcome. Be sure to say hi to some of us. There's a lot of us, so sometimes we don't know who is new or... So if I come up to you and say, hi, it's so good to see you, and you're like, we've been here for three years, but just forgive me. Okay, because I just want to love on you. All right, here we go. So a few announcements for today. If you are newly joining us, would you please grab one of the cute little yellow sheets in the back on the table and fill that out so we can truly get to know you, pray over you, bless you in whatever way would be a blessing to you. Also, church, that's your way to let us know if you change your address, no hiding, and because uh, we want to love on you too. And also, if you have special prayer requests and you haven't made connection with one of the pastors or the leaders whom we would love to do that in person, feel free to just slip that right on this lovely yellow sheet. Okay, children's ministry, yes. Uh, today is the very last day to sign up for the Soul Garage. Uh, oh yeah, you gotta do it on the website. To sign up for the Soul Garage Apologetics Conference, which is in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, on November 10th and 11th. You can do that on the website. So go to Maranatha, and I think the youth have their own little section. It's really easy to navigate even though I don't have it memorized. All right, also the Salvation Army is looking for bell ringers. Talk about joyful noise, that's your opportunity. Uh, the Red Kettle Campaign is beginning on November 14th and you can use this, I even brought a sample. This is our lovely bulletin, it's very nice and short, two sweet pages, one, this little QR code, that's your easy way to sign up. Just take your little phone, snap a picture, and it leads you right there. Sign up. Bring your whole family. Bring your extended family. It's a day you can party and show the joy of the Lord from inside of you to others. And also raise money for a cause that really takes care of our people in our community who are in need. And we love to partner with them. Also, I think there's more information at the welcome desk outside in the lobby if you're old school. Okay. 
Also, coming up soon, the Moms Group is back on Sunday, November 12th. It's a new time, Sunday evening. That's new. We'll see. We'll hopefully it'll work. Uh, 6.30 to 8 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. That's right here connected to our uh, main building here. This is a time for moms with children in elementary school and younger to gather for fellowship and encourage each other. Encourage other moms. Now, we love children, obviously, here. I'm in children's ministry. Um, but this is a time meant to be refreshing and a break for moms who are constantly giving their all to kids and their entire family. So you are welcome to bless someone else with your child at home or at a neighbor's that you trust. But we will have nursery uh, available to you. At infants and nursery, uh, nursing children are welcome. Did I say that right? We won't have nursery. Sorry, Miss Julie's helping me out. Just infants and nursing children are welcome. We can't leave them behind, I guess. Okay. Sorry, moving forward. All right, and a very special announcement. I'm super excited about this. The Iwana Clubbers at Maranatha would like to invite all of our treasured veterans and active military members to join us this Wednesday night. We are having our special Veterans Appreciation Night. Wednesday, November 8th, that's coming up in just like three days from six o'clock to 7.30. If you're a veteran or active member, if you could just show up a few minutes before that so we can get you settled and love on you even more, that'd be great. So maybe quarter tail, but it begins at six. And then the children really want to say thank you and honor you in a super special way. All of us at Maranatha truly appreciate uh, the commitment and sacrifice and the faithfulness to your call. Um, that our veterans and active military are committing to your country and to us. And last but not least, boy, there's a lot of announcements. I don't know why they gave the chatty girl these. Um, the last one is behind me in a few seconds are going to be some fantastic pictures of a delightful time that was this year's women's tea. Women's tea was last weekend, and I only have one more year till I can join them because it's 50 and over. Yes. So I'm kind of excited um, about that. That's one good thing to look forward to gaining that magic number. Okay. Well, so enjoy the pictures. And if you didn't get to part participate, you can join me next year when they have it again. Thank you. Pastor Cody, are you ready to teach us from the word? Thank you so Perfect. much, Miss Kimmy. Give her a hand. <clears throat> I gotta make, is my wife here? Oh, I'm in trouble already. I, was gonna, I told my wife, like, you should go to that thing. She's like, I'm not old enough. I said, oh, yes, you are. And I got in trouble. She wasn't, but she still loves me. Right. Hey, I also want to remind you that we, every month, have our prayer calendar. And we put it out last week. We didn't mention it, but, you know, we got our prayer calendar, so grab that on the way out. And we have here, on the 1st of November, we have Pray for Israel. I just want to take a moment and let's pray for Israel, but I also want to just bring a little clarification. Um, this week I got a phone call from someone who's not connected with our church, and they politely tried to scold me and say, hey, every Sunday basically you should be teaching about Israel and praying for Israel because, you know, in Genesis, and I was like, I know what verse you're going to say, Genesis says, if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. So I listened and I said, we do pray for Israel, because we have prayed for Israel, and it's the number one thing here on our prayer calendar here. But the reason we want to pray for Israel is not so we could be blessed, because I think, unfortunately, some, uh, there's just some trends like, hey, we got to be pro-Israel and, and bless them so we can be blessed, which seems very selfish, doesn't it? 
The number one reason we pray for Israel is that they would have peace and know the Prince of Peace, right? That's the number one goal because we see both in the Old and in the New Testament um, in 1 Corinthians, it's, uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, they still have a veil over their faces. So we pray that that veil would be removed and that they would be free by the Spirit of God. Amen? So that's what we want to pray. So let's again pray for Israel. And we hear many reports of horrific things happening around the world. We even pray for those who are underground churches. We've been having missionaries come last month sharing about just different areas where they're unable to worship freely like we do. So let's take a moment and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your peace. Lord, not only do we get physical peace, we get help when there's trouble, but ultimately you bring spiritual peace. So Lord, we do pray for what's happening right now in the Middle East. We pray for Israel. We pray that you would allow them to do right things. We condone what they do, what is right. But if they do things that are wrong, we, we, we don't support that. So we pray that they would have peace. We pray that you protect the women and children. We pray you protect the innocent. We pray that justice would happen. We pray that the world leaders would come together in unity and be unified about bringing peace to those areas. But ultimately we know that there will never be peace until Jesus is seated in their hearts and at the conference table of world leaders. So we pray, Lord, by your spirit that you would do wonderful things. We pray that they would find peace found ultimately in you, Jesus. You're the prince of peace. We pray, spirit, that you would work and remove that veil that covers their eyes, their hearts, that they don't see the beauty of the Messiah. So we pray that they would have spiritual peace above all things. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen? Amen. So grab these calendars, continue to pray, and military personnel, 1,800 hours at Wednesday. You got that? I'm just looking around. I know some of you are in the military. Be here Wednesday. The kids would love to support you and, yeah, be a part of that. It's at the ministry center at those doors there. Be a little early. Awesome. Well, good morning. I'm excited about this morning. And um, as you know, if I get emotional, my throat gets all foggy and, oh, you know, I got some water here. Today I might get emotional, but I was thinking through this, and I'm, I probably won't get emotional, but I probably will. Today's a special day. We're going to spend this November in the book of Psalms. We're going to spend, I'm going to take two sermons and just work on the most famous, probably the most famous chapter in the Bible to the world, not the most famous chapter maybe to you, but it's, it's the famous one. It's one that I read often at funerals. Then we're going to also take some time this month and look at Psalm 100 and also Psalm 32. So let me begin with this. How did I make it? I want you to know, and many of you do know this, the last seven months have been the hardest months of my life. Although if you backed up to even the COVID season and the political ramifications that were happening, that was very, very hard also. How did I make it the last seven months? 
two of my friends were murdered. Within eight days, there was a time, within eight days a week, I did four funerals. Two of them where I wept. I watched one of my adult kids struggle with depression and just identity and just that's hard when you see your kids struggle i cry every week what is my problem oh crying is good but i've cried more the last seven months than i have seven years 14 years how did i make it I mentioned this a while ago someone once said man you must have on your phone like dozens of therapists and i'm like nope I have one shepherd I turn to, amen? Oh, I've got many mentors, trust me. I've got many friends I consult. I've got pastors who are much older than me that have weathered many things. But what we're going to learn today, part one, I want you, my, I've been praying all week, that this would be etched into your soul, what we're going to cover. And we're going to do the book of Psalms here, just different passages Winter's coming. The chill has come. But there's comfort for the weary. And my goal is that you would, every Sunday as we get to dig into the Word, that my goal is that you would walk closer to the Savior and see the beauty of Jesus. That's my goal. That when you leave, you'd be like, oh, I want to be closer to Him and see the beauty of Jesus. So before we get into Scripture, let's pray for that. Father God, I thank you for your word. It is faithful. It is true. It doesn't return without void. You know, there's, 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 a, there's a return to it. Your word is given. And our souls respond. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets right, it gets right to the intents of the heart and my motives and my insecurities. So God, I pray a special blessing over this morning. And Spirit of God, do your work. You are that great surgeon that convicts, that comforts, that calls out sin. That ultimately, as we, we learn in John chapter 14, 15, 16, ultimately, Spirit, you are about bringing us to Jesus. So guide us and walk with us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, take your Bibles and go to Psalm 23. How many of you have ever heard of Psalm 23 before? Raise your hand, all right. Psalm 23. King David was a former shepherd who understood the reality of the wilderness. He understood the reality of crazy sheep. He understood the reality of the struggles of what it means to be not safe and the dangers that would come that sheep could water into. And the terminology that we will read here is based upon his experiences. He spent much time watching over flocks, taking care, making sure that they're okay. And when they were wounded, he would care for them. And in this psalm, he draws upon his own life experiences as he pens this beautiful song. This famous song with simple language. 
And I thought through this, why is this so famous? Why is this so famous? Psalm 23 is the best-known psalm and one of the most favorite passages of many. And I thought through this and I remembered something if you recall, once a year I, I, I hand out this sheet. I, I, don't, I, know I should have printed some if you're new here. These are great chapters to read. I've got over two dozen um, church leaders, some of my dear friends, pastors, missionaries, um, seminary professors. I asked them, if you were like on an island and you could only have like 10 chapters, and they all kind of like, oh, that's impossible. And you know, everyone will write down their chapters. And I, I've got mine, I've, I've got the most on there because... It's my sheet. So anyways, <laughs> Romans 8's the most famous one on here. Surprise, surprise. But I find it interesting that Psalm 23 only shows up three times. Listen to this. Psalm 23 shows up. Galen Olson wrote it down. Everybody remember Galen? Raise your hand. Remember Galen Olson? He's got it down. Out of all the Americans, he's the only one. Maybe because he's just that older crew. I don't know. But here's what I find very interesting. I've got under here the underground. It says underground. When I was in China, underground pastors from deep into China, we gathered together at a conference where my father-in-law taught the New Testament for a week and then at, like he did in the afternoons and then the mornings an Old Testament professor. They just picked one book of the Bible and they trained them. What a great experience I had. I was just there for a day and a half. And I remember asking through translators, what's your favorite? And it was hard because they didn't understand what I was asking. It was a bizarre question. Like, what's your favorite chapters in the Bible? All of them. Every single underground pastor said Psalm 23 right away. And I, I thought through that. We live in comfort. We've got it made. How many have food today? How many have food in your fridge? How many have an extra freezer? How many have gas in your vehicle? Unless you came in a car, how many got straw next to your horse? I don't know. We have comfort. We got heat. We don't understand persecution. These are people, some of these underground pastors may not even be alive today because of the persecution they face. And the number one chapter they said, Psalm 23. It is so simple. It speaks to the soul. It does more than tell us, listen to this, it does more than tell us that God protects, God guides, God leads, He restores, He blesses. It does more than that. It shows us this poetic image of us as powerless sheep, as sinful beings who like to roam around and do our own thing. And we like sheep are wayward. But we are tended by a trustworthy shepherd. We don't have to fear. In a world of dangerous environments and often precarious situations, brought often by our own sinful ways, right? And it's not just the world. We always kind of like to blame the world. Look at culture and blame culture. Look at our own hearts. We are foolish. There's a shepherd who cares for us. Yeah, the world is crazy out there. 
but also we put ourselves in precarious situations. I'm not going to list them all, but I've done some crazy, foolish things physically where I, I, you know, I shouldn't tell my wife, but I probably said, hey, I'm glad I'm alive. What was I thinking doing this stupid thing? I'm a little crazy. But even spiritually, put ourselves in precarious situations. So here's my goal with you as I do part one and part two. I want to read this. I want you to hear it. And I want you to meditate and memorize this psalm. You got all November to do it. It is priceless. It is the timeless psalm to memorize. And that you would draw closer and trust the Good Shepherd. So here's three quick things. Come to know Him with more intimacy. See, God is not just this God who created things and started things up and, and kind of put the, 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 the cake in the oven, turned it on, and sits back and goes, hope it turns out okay. He walks with us. And He talks with us. Amen? So I want you to grow in intimacy with God. I want you to come to follow Him with trusting obedience. See, the first part's easy. Oh, I want to grow close to God. Oh, we all want to do that. Oh, I want to trust him with obedience. That means we might have to get, clean out our hearts a little bit. Let me say this. A Christianity that doesn't have obedience in it is not a true Christianity. We must obey the Savior. Amen? And lastly, come to worship him with joyful acceptance of daily circumstances. That's a hard one. We don't get to choose how the day works out. If it was up to me, I'd be getting that 14-point buck tonight. Everything would be, you know, I, you know, and we'll talk more about our daily circumstances. So let's read Psalm 23. So got your Bibles, and again, we have different translations, so I'm going to talk about that here in about five minutes here, or less, but let me read this. I'm going to do part one, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to do part one, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Two quick things, what I believe, and I've been, honestly, for about nine months, I've been working through this passage. Two things I've noticed for myself, and I think they're very important here. What this passage shows. He provides for my life needs, present and the future. In fact, you'll see the sheet. I'm going to pull out here in a moment. You know, I've been working through this translating, just, just, just diving into it. The first part is all present, and part two is all future. I love that. The pastor life and the situations, internal, external, are hard, harsh, and real. In every experience, we must know, believe, and truly experience that the Lord is the great shepherd. He is good, and we must trust him. 
He gives such care, provision, and protection right now and in the future. Part two, or number two, the second part here. The action he does, and this is, again, I've studied this a lot this last, just devouring it. The action he does is based upon his character revealing his concern for my needs. Never forget this. The foundation of our well-being is based upon not circumstances, not your bank account, not your health. The foundation of your well-being is based upon the character of God. The character of God. The theological truth given in these simple words reveals the character of God. Even though there's great deep theology... It's so simple and profound, that's why this is so famous. The foundation to life is trusting the character of God. His character leads us to confidence in His actions. To know this God is not an option, it's a mandate. Trust Him. Know Him. Walk with Him. So where I am in life is not really based upon my circumstances, but who He is and what He does. Amen? His character and how He cares for us. Life isn't based upon my circumstances. Because that's ebb and flow. That comes and goes. That's up and down all the time. Trust in the character of God. And the foundation of this psalm and the foundation of life is the first verse. So let's take a look at the first verse here. The foundation of it all begins with this. The Lord is my shepherd. This is a profound and distinct mark of the whole passage. It begins with this. And I... I've worked through this. It's interesting how there's first person singular about him and mine. And there's so much here going on with even the pronouns. We begin with the divine name. It's not God or a God. There is God often in the Old Testament. In fact, in the Psalms, it talks about God often. <clears throat> El, Elohim, El Shaddai, all these different compound names for God. But all of, those are great names, but the greatest name is his personal covenantal name, Yahweh. Four letters, Yahweh. And that's what this begins with. It's the divine covenantal name. This is not just God. It is the one who came to rescue and save you. In fact, interesting. In Exodus, Exodus is about the deliverance that God brings to his people. God reveals himself not just as God to Moses, but in Exodus chapter 3, he reveals himself as, guess what? I am the great I am. I am Yahweh. And then in chapter 5, he says, I'm the one who's going to protect you, care for you, save you. And then all the plagues come, and then chapter 12 through 14 is the great salvation. So after chapter 14 in Exodus, in the Old Testament, every time Yahweh shows up, people can pause and go, whoa, that's my saving God. 
And notice this, it's not our God which is totally right. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Saying our God is great. But notice what he says here. He says, my God. The Lord is my shepherd. What a confession. This great Yahweh, the Lord, is his. It's my shepherd. True intimacy with God. It's powerful that we today, right now, can say, He is mine and I am His. Amen? He's my God. He's my Lord. He's my shepherd. The unique beauty of this personal nature of the shepherd is shown here. Shepherd. We are like sheep. We are naive, frail, sinful, and helpless. All we, we like sheep have gone astray, it says in Isaiah. Being like sheep, we wander around blind. We get lost. We get lost from God. We stray from God. And He is shepherd over all. Not just me, but over all things. Amen? Over the whole universe. It is not I who is in charge. Or an earthly leader, it is God. So here's a tough thing. You're not in charge. You're not the boss. You're not the head honcho. He totally is. That's a humbling thing that we must every day go, you know what? You're in charge, I'm not. I don't know what this day is going to look like, but I'm grateful I'm not in charge because I'd be dead by now. He is in charge. He, not you, not any earthly leader. No. And as a pastor, I must learn this. And I've learned this. I must follow more than I lead. I must follow the shepherd more than I lead. That's why I'm so heavily into the Word. This is the main theme of the passage. It's the anchor of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen? He's my shepherd. A book that I've been reading for the last nine months. Yeah, it takes me a while to read some books. The Flourishing Pastor, Recovering the Lost Art of Shepherd Leadership. It's a great book for pastors. He says this, here we find one of the truest truths of the universe. The bedrock reality of the self-sustaining, eternal, triune God who has no lack in resources and provision for our life. He's our shepherd. He'll take care of you. Because he's our shepherd, we can say the following. But before we get to the next part, let me show you what I've been doing. And I encourage you to try to do the same thing. As you know, when I work on a passage, I get crazy and nerdy and, and all this. In fact, this is uh, normally in my, my gun reloading room where I reload bullets so I can get all the yummy, yummy deer. I reload those, but I also reload spiritually. I can close the door, everyone's sleeping, and just tuck away. 
And what I've done is, how many of you have memorized some of this before? The Lord is my shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll, you know, I've got it in the King James. I realized my problem is, oh, I got that down. No, 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 no. Slow down. So what I've done as a nerd is I've written down in normal pencil color, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And then in blue, I got the NLT. In red, I got the ESV. So I got, I'm going to memorize three translations at the same time. I'm a nerd. You can laugh at me. That's fine. So I've got the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I have all that I need. I lack nothing. So what I've been doing is memorizing all three translations together. So I encourage you, don't, you don't have to do that. Pick a translation, re-memorize Psalm 23. Look at what it says here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I have all that I need. I lack nothing. The one who owns everything is in charge of everything who is always with me and knows what's best for me he's the one that will care for me amen the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want i have all that i need i lack nothing kids Christmas is coming up. When I was a little boy, I loved a month before Christmas because my grandpa would give me this huge, thick catalog. It was this big. It was called the Sears catalog. Anybody remember those big, thick things? Those things were awesome, right? And my mom would give me a crayon and say, circle the things you want grandpa to get you. Because we came from a very poor family. My dad lost a lot of his jobs. My mom worked three jobs. It was hard. And in my mind, Grandpa was the richest guy on the planet. He was an electrician at the paper mill in Appleton. He was the richest dude I knew. And I was given the catalog to circle any toy I wanted. I circled more than one. I just was like, I could, whatever I want. And I got some of those toys. But those are things I wanted. God gives us what we truly need because he is the ultimate richest of all, right? The one who owns everything will care. What do we lack? We'll see some of the things that we need here. Because he is the good shepherd, we have all that we need. Here's the line I'm going to say often. God is sufficient and God will sustain you. Write those down. In fact, I should have just gave out sheets of paper so you can be taking notes. All these notes will be online. God is sufficient and he will sustain you. Never forget that phrase. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I have all that I need. I lack nothing. God is sufficient. He will sustain you. Let's now see what the shepherd does for us. As he's the shepherd, this Sunday we're going to look at shepherd in the wilderness present stuff and next week we'll look at the banquet the future that he has for us the shepherd and the sheep and the shepherd and the banquet the upcoming verbs describe what and how he cares he makes he leads he restores he guides he comforts that's what he does in this section here it's beautiful he anoints so here's let's work through this as my shepherd God presently 
makes me lie down in green pastures. <clears throat> he makes me lie down, rest in green pastures, in meadows. That's how, what I'm memorizing with the different translations. He makes me lie down. He makes me rest in green pastures, in meadows. But here's the problem. And I saw this with some, some of the teenage kids. You get this attitude, you can't make me. Hey, I'd like you to do this. Well, you can't make me. I've had kids say that to me. You can't make me. I'm like, I'm not trying to make you do anything. We're going to go get food to go to Culver's. Uh, okay, you can stay home and just eat oatmeal. Well, not that oatmeal's bad. But we have this you can't make me attitude. Why is it that we think that we know what's best for us? At times, we don't know what's better. Get off your high horse and go, oh, I don't know what's best for me. He makes us. I remember memorizing this again. I'm going, oh, that's a tough one. Why do you have to make us? Because we're stubborn? Or we think we know it all? Or we're so caught up and lost in sin or the things, the affairs of this world, we need someone to make us. It's okay that he makes us. How does he make us? Well, he intervenes by using situations, circumstances, people, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When I don't have the basic needs for my life and the basic needs met, I become weary and tired and he makes us. He helps us. He's the provider. Weary sheep need the care of our shepherd. There in the last seven months, there have been some nights, especially seven months ago, where I was so weary. I was going nonstop. I'd get, get home at 8 o'clock at night, and I was like, I didn't even eat today. I was drinking tons of water because there was water everywhere where I was going. But I was like, I didn't even eat. I'm weary. In fact, most of those um, nights I slept on the couch because I was just so weary and I felt the weight on my chest. And I needed time just with God. I was so tired, but I was like, I need you, Lord. I encourage you, let the shepherd, and sometimes he'll make you rest, pause, so you can be in where? Not in the desert. Where does he take us? To green pastures, to meadows where you can be nourished. And there's times, every day I gotta do this, I gotta go, okay, here's my moment. I'm a very busy man. We all have 24 hours. We all are busy. And I'm like, here's my 10 minutes. Okay, God, gotta soak up some of you right now. But there's sometimes I don't have that. There's sometimes I'm in the car going someplace. I'm right. So-and-so called, you know, someone's sick. I'm gonna go pray for them. I, I'm... Feed me, Lord. As my shepherd, God presently makes me lie down in green pastures. Look at the next one. As my shepherd, God presently leads me beside quiet waters, still, peaceful streams. He leads us. What do we turn to when we don't have food or drink? I find it interesting here. These are the basics of life. He gives us food in the pastures, but he all, we also need water. What do we turn to when we don't have the basics of life? What fix, what distraction when you're struggling do you turn to? A lot of people get into addictions because life isn't happening the way they want to. And they're like, well, at least I can control this. And they turn to other things. 
during the empty, no food, and the thirsty, no drink, be reminded that God, the great shepherd, the almighty Yahweh, he provides. But notice as I work through this, notice these waters aren't rushing rapids because most of the time when we take pictures, it's of all the beautiful water falling down. Back in the day, in this time, that was scary because they didn't have the boats like we have. They didn't have personal flotation devices. So rapid, crazy water was dangerous. But notice it doesn't say stagnant water. Take a look at this picture here. Does anybody know this green, gooey spot? Anybody know where that is? by Cameron right as you're heading out to airport row right that's stagnant oh like uh, I hope someone would say I'll pay you 10 bucks to walk through that I'll take 10 bucks to walk through that I pay 10 bucks my girls wouldn't touch that water that's stagnant gross gooey no thank you water God doesn't lead us to stagnant water he leads us to that which refreshes us peaceful beautiful streams these waters aren't rushing, raging rapids that will suck you in or stagnant water that will make you sick. He leads me beside quiet water, still peaceful streams. <clears throat> Here's the key to it all. Drink deep from the word of God, people. Amen? I encourage you, drink deep Walk with the shepherd. If you want to know God's voice, it's right here. If you want to know his character, read it right here. Come to know the beauty of God through his word. Know his character more. And I encourage you again, memorize Psalm 23. The word is so important. Recently, I was called up to a tragic situation. And I've been up there a few times helping families through it. It's, it's not good. But just Friday, I got called back up there because people are losing it. And I said, hey, let's gather together as a family. And it was a beautiful time where we just held hands. I said, we're going to do an emotional group hug right now. We held hands. And I got to pray. And I prayed, and I encourage you to memorize Psalm 34. Remember a couple, maybe it was a month ago? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And I got to use some of the things I've memorized. Drink deep from the Word of God. Next part. As my shepherd, God presently restores my life. He restores my soul. He refreshes. He renews my strength. Those are some of the translations I've been memorizing. He renews my strength. The Lord gives us spiritual rest and refreshment. And we need that. I'm a nonstop, go-get-it kind of a guy. And at times, I need to slow down to be refreshed. The world can do damage to your soul. Find place to soak in the Word of God. You can have friends or so-called friends harm you and hurt you. Find rest, strength for your soul in Him. Take time to refresh. Here's a picture of me sitting on some rock on Lake Superior. I'm very grateful for the elders this summer. They said, you need a little time off than you normally get. Get out of here. I'm like, <gasps> okay, what am I going to do? 
I remember just sitting with my family. It was so good. Take time. It's hard when you're running and running. You've got to find time to rest, to restore, to refresh. In fact, we as pastors are very grateful for the church. In fact, Pastor Tony this Wednesday is going to a refresh retreat. It's going to be awesome. He'll be there for a couple days. Then we tag team, and then I go with my wife. We go. He and Michelle are going. Then it's my turn. Then it's our turn to go. And I, this ha- I've been going the last three years. We've been going. This is our third year, I think, right? Three or four, third year, second year. The first year, I, I don't want to go. It's bow hunting. See, I don't want to go somewhere else. So good I went. Even last year, I was like, I don't want to go. Even yesterday, I was like, I don't want to go. I'll probably get on the plane going, I don't want to go. But I need to take time to restore, refresh my soul. Next one, as a shepherd, God presently guides me along the paths, the right paths of righteousness for his name's sake, bringing honor to his name. I have full confidence every day that he is the one that will guide me to the right things. And here's what I do. I'm kind of weird, as you know. But every morning I wake up and go, okay, God, here's my plan. Here's my calendar. I hope it's what you want me to do. Great. And if you have something else, do whatever you want. I let him guide me. I have full confidence each day that he's the one that does it. And when danger comes, he leads you. He guides, he leads you, not in dangerous paths, but in paths of righteousness. In the right paths for his name's sake. The Lord guides us along the right paths as a great shepherd who truly carefully chooses the right way we should go because it was up to me, I'd probably be dead by now. But he guides us. He protects us. He protects the sheep from danger. And he does it for his glory and his fame amen his glory and his fame every day I, I don't know sometimes where to go here's a picture of some pastor friends of mine we were praying craziness was happening so i said i got on the phone i said all right i need more help i need guidance let's pray for our county let's pray for what you are about to do O lord guide us in these paths we are your sheep lead us guide us i have many mentors in my life and one thing i've realized i don't often get to choose my calling or my daily routine and that's okay let him guide you He guides us in the way we should go. Through the various landscapes of life, he'll guide you. From the gentle pasture land to the peaceful streams, he'll guide you. And, as we're going to get here soon, even to the dark valleys, he's with you, guiding you. All right, let's look at the last part here. As my shepherd, God presently comforts me by his presence and provision. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Not be afraid, for you are with me, close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't know the specific situation that David's writing. Often we do. We can look at um, some, you know, First and Second Samuel. First and we can see what's going on. This one we don't know. We don't know exactly what was happening. Maybe he was in a dark place physically maybe emotionally maybe he was distraught 
Maybe he was wore out, perplexed in a fearful place. But the main focus is the Lord's protection and provision in this verse. Sheep fear the unknown places, and we fear the unknown valley, the shadow of death. We don't need to be afraid. Why? Because he walks with us. He guides us. He is with us. He holds the shepherd rod and staff. In fact, when I was called to be the pastor, if you guys remember this, Don Price was here. You as a church prayed over me. And he gave this to me. He said, take this. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? It says on here, Shepherd the flock of God. And I have this in my office, in a corner where I see it. And I remember my goal is, I'm just an under-shepherd, not an undertaker, but an under-shepherd. <laughs> but he's the shepherd. And I don't look at this as something that's for me. I look at this as a reminder that, oh, he's the one. He has something to protect me. When the enemy comes, oh, he's got many weapons the weapons of warfare are not carnal but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds the blood of christ the cross itself the name of jesus he protects me but he also helps me as i walk so i don't stumble and fall the lord is the one who's got so many resources for us the rod protects and the staff keeps us from slipping as i mentioned i was recently called up to help here's a picture of a vehicle that was there. Look at that big truck in the beginning. But look at this massive Sherp, it's called, from the Duluth St. Louis County Sheriff's Department Rescue Team. They came with this amazing machine. They can go through swamp, it can float, it can't flip over, it can go rescue someone. This thing was a beast. The ultimate all terrain vehicle because it keeps moving through mud, snow, water, everything. It floats. Look at me. God himself is greater than all the resources we had up there. When you walk through that dark valley, he is with you. The greatest thing is not that you're not walking through the valley, because we've got to walk through valleys. The greatest thing is his presence. The Lord doesn't watch from a distance as we traverse the dark valley in hazardous conditions. No. He is beside us. He walks with us. Nothing can separate us from him. In fact, if you could do a favor, turn to Romans chapter 8, the last two verses. Why do I say memorize Romans 8? Oh, so good and rich. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any power... Nothing. That which is to come, that the future, not what's happening, nothing can separate from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. He is with us. We must remember who I am in Christ, who I belong to, and who is with me. Never forget that. God is sufficient, and God will sustain you. Amen? God is sufficient. And God will sustain you. And we see here and next week in closing, let me say this. His extravagant goodness 
is all throughout this. He just doesn't feed us. He prepares a feast in the presence of our enemies. He just doesn't bless us. He fills our cup to overflowing. He just doesn't offer his goodness and love. He pursues us with his loving hand and strength. And we are his forever. We learn more of the meaning of God by what he says, right here people, and by what he does in his actions. And this is ultimately found in Jesus. Knowing God through Jesus Christ. John 17. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And the only way to know God, the good shepherd, is through Jesus, who is the good shepherd. John chapter 10, Jesus mentions this. John chapter 10, verses 3. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 10, the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have life to the fullest. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Ultimately, Psalm 23 points to the beauty of Jesus, doesn't it? Because he is the one who rescues us. He's the one that saves us. And he walks with us. This is only part one. Part two is the other aspect of the future, which I'm going to do my best to just be chill, but I'm going to probably be jumping up all the time. Let me close with this. Wherever you're at, please come to know the shepherd. His love, his care for you, his provision, his protection for his sheep. Turn to him. Ultimately, the the shepherd is Jesus. Trust in him. We're going to have the worship team come on up. You guys can come up now. They're going to do three songs. If you need prayer, please come on up. I'd love to pray for you. Please come up. In fact, Jake's up here. I'll be up here. Michelle's dad will come up if, if people want to be prayed for. Yeah, let's just, we want to pray. Because some of you are in that valley. We'll talk more about that as we get into the next part. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. You are good. You're so good to us. I thank you that you are the ultimate rescue hero. By rescuing us, you died for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk closer to you as you are sufficient and you sustain us for all that we walk through. This we pray in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.